partner and align with your SDR leaders, with your sales leaders, and with your marketing leaders, get agreement across the team on what your SLAs should be, because you're going to have to enforce it as a collective team. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2, and I have my fellow hosts, Xander and Charlie, also from CSU, as y'all know. And today we're going to be talking about a interesting topic, something that we haven't visited in a while, but we're going to be talking about how to improve your funnel velocity with SLAs um, and really about all the SLAs that you can obtain to or hold your hold your team to. A lot of the times we've noticed that when we start working with clients that they will typically follow one of those SLAs. So we're going to talk about all the SLAs that we think you should be tracking. So especially as it pertains to our handoffs to sales and when things are with sales in an active life cycle. So first, I just want to like lay the groundwork for the different SLAs that we're going to be talking about. So the first one is the one that everyone mostly tracks. And that's kind of like what you call your speed to lead. And that's how long it takes to follow up with a sales ready leader in MQL. And that's like that first touch when you move them into like a contacting or working status. And typically, depending on the source of the lead, that's a short time period. It could be for demo requests, like 10 minutes. And then for all your sales ready leads, it could be 24 hours. But that's where people usually track. Um, but there's also other SLAs. So another one being how long things are left in sales accepted or working, like how long it's been since they had a last touch and how long to and how many number of touches each working lead should have. And then meetings, you know, how long you're letting those meetings sit before getting converted to an opportunity. And then for an opportunity pipeline, track around length and being in those stages and how long an opportunity can actually stay open before it's closed out or closed one. Um, and really, we want to track also historical attainment, not people who haven't, you know, met a certain SLA, but also how long it took to get to that stage attainment, because that'll give you a sense for is there improvements you can do on the length of time or speed to meet that SLA or not have met that SLA. <laughs> so yeah, so that is kind of the SLAs want to go through. We'll talk about a little bit of the nuances and other things to track. But I just want to kick it off then, start the conversation. Charlie, like, are companies even doing a good job of enforcing SLAs or tracking SLAs? No. <laughs> Can that be my answer? <laughs> uh, that's yeah. the short answer. And I think the more nuanced answer is probably not, and mainly for a few reasons. So three reasons. So really, first off, a lot of companies don't even have SLAs and they haven't got them agreed. They may conceptually know that they need to be kind of like making sure reps are following up and making sure they're doing these activities, but they haven't sat down and agreed upon. This is the follow-up time that we're expecting. And we're going to set as a service level agreement that we want to have for sales to follow up on our demo request. This is the follow-up time, or this is how we want sales to be able to work. Um, the working leads to get them to a meeting. And this is the time frame. They haven't gone through that exercise to build out all of the different SLAs across the team. So that's kind of the, the, the first miss. But then mm -hmm. some companies might have that, but then they're just not tracking. So you know, yeah. what gets measured gets managed. If you're not actually measuring your SLAs, then 
it doesn't matter if you're telling your sales rep you need to do this. You can't actually tell if they're doing it or not. And then the last thing is, yeah, maybe you're, some of them are tracking it, but are you actually using that data? Has that data been like operationalized throughout your team? Are you looking at that data? Are you escalating when SLAs are not met? Are you actually kind of holding people accountable? And I would say a vast majority of companies fail at one of those hurdles. They might get over the first, the second, they might get over the second, third, the third. There's not a ton that end up getting through all of those hurdles to the end where they've really got a good job of SLA management. Yeah, I have a, like a second part to that too. Maybe Xander, maybe if you have any thoughts, but I think one thing to add on is like, I think companies are probably also not holding people accountable. They're not having those like honest conversations of like, who's actually not attaining those SLAs? Like, what do you think, Xander? Do you think that some people are just not even holding people accountable because they don't have the data, but also if they have the data, are they even holding people accountable? Yeah, I mean, I think that we've been talking about some organizations don't want to put people on blast by throwing this up yeah. on a dashboard and sharing it with their colleagues. But sometimes it's what you need, right? Mm -hmm. Is, you know, it's the good and the bad, right? SLAs are one part of your performance as a SDR or a salesperson and understanding, you know, how fast are you getting to your sales ready leads? How fast are you getting them from sales accepted into the next stage. It's really important to be able to see that. But we don't want to create a toxic environment. We don't want to create a hyper-competitive environment where people are cutting each other down. So like, how do you find that balance of accountability and transparency without it becoming a weapon to be used across the team and like creating a, a poor culture? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's like sales to me, well, Revenue teams in general kind of act like a, almost like similar to a sport and it's a team. But I think that somewhere along the line, too, when we've had goals and tracking, like we I think have moved away from getting visibility into that, especially as we've worked like more remote recently. I feel like when companies were in one place, there was a lot more visibility. I remember even past roles we've had you know, some of our dashboards show up on a big screen that would be in like the lunchroom or near the sales team. And it was almost like stats that people were tracking. And I think somewhere along the way, it's kind of moved away from that, mainly because there's not like a central place to look at when there really should be like, you could have things in Slack, you can have things, you know, show up on a homepage in Salesforce on a dashboard or so forth. But I think that has gotten a little bit lost. And I think that if we just think of them as stats, and if we just think of them as like, kind of performance measurements, we need to take a little bit of that. I don't know the personal kind of fear around that. It's really just like black and white when it comes to that kind of things in business and not be too afraid to hold people accountable to the job that you want them to do, in my opinion. I think being having a competitive like so an element of competition in the culture isn't a bad thing and you shouldn't be shying away from it it drives people's behavior hopefully in the right direction and as long as you're trying to create a culture of excellence as opposed to kind of a culture where you're scapegoating or like you're blaming people for kind of like maybe the company missed its number so you're like this person was the reason because of that because they didn't meet sla or something like that as long as you're using it as a way to like drive healthy competition you're able to kind of show what good looks like if there's no way to compare then like the people who are underperforming don't have a model to be able to try and understand what they should do to start performing 
So like you need to be able to have that, and especially in sales, where particularly people who are getting into sales probably do have a healthy dose of competitive spirit in them anyway. So I think trying to harness that to drive the right behavior, because obviously what we're talking about here is you know, pipeline velocity, pipeline conversions, creating an efficient revenue engine that is really operating at a high standard. You're not able to do that if you're not able to measure and then hold people to that high standard. And you're going to have to show them the numbers and you're going to have to compare people against each other to be able to do that. Otherwise, that accountability gets lost, I think. Totally, totally. I was just talking to a client about that. And I think sometimes it could be a culture thing. So maybe having to like kind of push through and say like, hey, maybe we need to reintroduce this. Okay, I want to dive into some of the SLAs. Maybe Xander, you can kick us off. But the first one, I said, oh, a lot of companies track this, but around first touch on like your sales ready leads or your MQLs per se. But what are some things that listeners should think about when trying tracking it the right way? Yeah. So this is kind of your sales ready first touch um, mechanism, right? And there's so many different ways to be able to do it now. You have automated sequences that can kick off in a sales engagement platform. And sometimes people will say, that's my SLA. And it's always going to be within 10 minutes because it's completely automated. <laughs> and if that's the case, great. But you're also sending out a completely automated message that is probably no better than an automated message coming out of your marketing automation platform. So, you know, it's important to think about is that first touch, that's your chance to like really land with somebody. Don't make it something that's completely boilerplate. And so if you choose to say that, the first touch is a semi-automated step. You, it's still really critical and important that you're measuring how long did it take somebody out to send out like a personalized message that means something. You know, you can choose. It can be, hey, thanks so much for messaging us. I'm working on schedules to get together. But then like, what is that next touch? What's that real personalized touch that you want to be able to measure? And where it gets to be hard from like a technical perspective, and I think that we've all felt this, is like working hours. Right. Well, what happens if the demo request comes in on a Friday and I have a process that says in 24 hours, my manager is going to get a message in 72 hours, my manager's manager and the CEO is coming in on a Monday and getting a message saying that they didn't follow up because it came on a, on a Friday. So it's really important that you kind of devise your SLAs to be able to align to that. Oftentimes, one of the ways that we really like to set it up is especially if you have like a platform like Lean Data where you have working hours and you can actually set it up within those working hours and you can truly say business hours, this is your 24, you know, 12 hour SLA from when you're working can go a long way. Yeah, totally. There's some interesting things you can do in different places too if people aren't as comfortable within Salesforce, like in your market automation platforms, if you want to start tracking the time at a certain time, there's some things you can do around wait until steps or wait steps and only have those firing on business days and stuff. So it's a good time to get crafty around what you can do. I think to your point around, I love your idea of like, hey, it could be checking the box for this if you're putting them into automated sequence. But is that really even an SLA then you should enforce on someone? But I agree with you, like maybe helping out that step, like maybe automatically putting them into a sequence, but the first step is not an automated step, but I think is a middle ground that we've kind of worked with clients before. 
treatment, it decreases that pain for SDR to try and like pick up a lead within CRM or contact, put that into the right sequence, especially for certain sources that you want a quick follow-up like demo request, contact sales, free trials, all that. So I think that that is definitely good. I think one thing too here is it can really uncover some systematic bottlenecks. So if you're seeing that some MQLs are like not making it to sales in the right time, it could mean your order of operations might be need some revisiting. It can mean that you might be getting sync errors and those are resolving later. There's a lot of things actually that if you're going to prep and try and enforce an SLA for sales, it even then puts the SLA back onto marketing to say, hey, well, you need to also work and to make sure we can get those right away. And I think also that uncovers like maybe you do like do some type of things where, you know, you're instantly connecting someone with sales even on the website or in a meeting. So I think it creates some really good conversations on how to improve the buyer journey and not just all of that being on the sales rep, but really on marketing to think how they can contribute to you. I think that's a really good point. I think the all of the SLAs are kind of shared, even if it does somewhat fall on the sales team. But if you think about the sales ready, like or someone comes in, demo request, and sales has the follow-up time SLA, yeah, that's a really good example there where, you know, maybe marketing does help set up, you know, instant you know, meeting booking, et cetera, to help them meet that SLA. You still want the SLA because not everyone's going to book a meeting at that point. And there might be other, you know, hand raiser activities that need a step between when that meeting's being booked. So, you know, I don't think that kind of eradicates the need for the SLA, but it makes it more of a shared goal between marketing and sales. And like you said, if there's a lot of systematic kind of integration issues, or process issues leading up to the handoff, then you know, sales is going to call you out on that and say, okay, we've got a two-hour SLA. I didn't get this record until one hour, 59 minutes. Like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> you need to help me out here, marketing. Like, what happened there? I need to get this five minutes after they fill out the form so I can actually meet my SLA. So again, it, driving the right behavior, getting everyone aligned to kind of the fundamental business process that you're trying to you know, build out because you know, if we go through in this kind of organized and high velocity method, it's going to lead to better results. Okay. The next one I have a lot of opinions on. I think there's a lot of conversation around this one because it's not really well tracked. <laughs> it's not even looked at, but really when we think about our traditional sales accepted leads or, you know, the leads in a working or contacting stage, putting the SLA around that, like, what do you think about that? Charlie, and what do you think are some something why you actually should be tracking an SLA around how long people stay in that stage? Probably because loads of prospects just end up in that stage forever. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't yeah. um, try and enforce something, then you're just going to have you know thousands and thousands of people in working that aren't being worked, and you know that you have a lot of kind of surrounding you know, maybe automation or programs or campaigns that are kind of reliant on that stage. Like sometimes some companies might restrict some elements of marketing. I don't always believe in this, but they might restrict some elements of marketing while sales is working them. I think my personal opinion on that is that we should, it should be shared all the way through the funnel, all the way to closed one. Maybe what you're sending is different, or maybe the ways that you're engaging is different throughout all of the buying stages. But 
you should never turn off marketing. But some companies do, or some companies are reliant on you know that status. So that means it could have a, a double effect where sales is just not trying to engage with that person and marketing is on pause for that person. They're just going to get stale and you know nothing's going to happen with them. And it just causes havoc with your conversion rates. It causes havoc with your velocity data when you're not like closing or progressing properly. And you're just like leaving them there, even though technically they're closed because you haven't spoken to them for six months and they were still stuck in working. But like, you're just not actually closing them when eventually when you do close them, now it looks like every excuse your averages, you know, massively because all these people got closed with like a massive, you know, long time frame. It's just like bad practice. And, and it's just something that every single company out there, I'm sure everyone in, in ops can relate to go run a report, look at, you know, how many leads and contacts are in a working status. And if you don't have SLAs, there's going to be a lot in there. So it's a really good place. And there's other ways you can get around it. Maybe we'll talk about that in a bit more, but around how like maybe there's like an automated close based on, you know, lack of sales touch points or lack of any touch points and how long they've been in that stage. So I think that's a good way to try and get out of this, but having the SLA that both marketing and sales agree on, on how long we should be working them before closing them is super important. Yeah. But like, Sander, do you have any opinions on kind of how long someone should be in working stage or, or a way to track when an actual working lead has gone stale? Like, what, are, what do you think? Yeah, I think that the best way to be able to approach this is based upon the last activity. So if you're tracking, mm-hmm. like, when's the last time that you actually reached out or they reached out back to you? And then you can kind of find that time frame. I, I feel like 30 to 45 days, depending on your sales cycle, probably makes the most sense. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to say, well, you have 30 days after they become sales accepted to progress them into a meeting, if that's your process, right? And 30 days goes by, you're actively engaging with this person, and then all of a sudden your marketing automation tool just closes it out. Person gets lost in the ether of all of your recycled people. So basing it on like that last activity and really fine tuning how that's working. Oftentimes you're finding, you know, Marketo is creating activities or HubSpot's creating activities. And so it looks like they're engaged, but they're really just getting sent out your monthly newsletter. So really just like making sure that the activity truly means that it's a sales activity goes really far in being able to identify like these are the people that are actively being worked versus not. You can also base that on your sequences. If you have a sequence where you know that there's going to be 12 touch points and in those 12 touch points, nothing happens, probably a good idea. Close out the funnel, move it back to the marketing team and let them re-engage. Totally. Yeah. I think that you bring up a good point because I think if you're think- trying to think about, okay, what is a good kind of SLA time frame? think definitely when something comes becomes stale if there haven't been any activity you know within 30 to 45 days i think that's a really good kind of yardstick <laughs> to hold so if you do have a tool like outreach or sales loft you can actually look at and see like okay how long and how many touches at what phase like do those become you know not really useful <laughs> and where are you getting the most connects And a lot of those tools have a lot of that great data. It's just no one's really actually kind of actively looking at it a lot of the time. Your SDR manager might be maybe having that conversation, but I think it's really fruitful. Xander, you mentioned when we chat about this, but like also looking at number of touches, because I think one thing is like 
yes, you don't want people to be stuck in this stage, but also you want people to get like the due diligence that they need. So this doesn't really need like an SLA tied to it. But one thing for measurement, I think, is making sure that there are enough touches made, especially on the right leads. Yes, if someone's like not a good fit, get sent back to marketing, that makes sense. But is there only like one call, one email, and then they're like, I'm going to move on to the next lead? It brings up a lot of conversations. Like if you have a ton of people stuck in that working status, maybe you're sending over too, too many MQLs and they just don't have enough time to do the due diligence. And so it can, you know, bring up, okay, again, like what can marketing do to help improve that? And if you're doing a ton of outbound, this is another thing, but like, do you even move this into a working stage if you're just like kind of doing these big sprints of on a lot of people? Because technically, like, you're going to have to close those out at some point. So maybe it's just when you get connected and you can maybe adjust your sales engagement tools to only start tracking as working when you do get connected. Just some things to think about. Like, marketing can work with sales to really decide what's the best way to track this and what are some measures in place to make sure that it's easy to keep things clean and, you know, disposition them. Okay, next one is meetings and tracking those. And I think this is another one that can get lost in the ether or have a lot of activity around. But what do you think, Charlie? Do you think that there should be a specific SLA around meetings and moving those into an opportunity? I think that especially once a meeting has completed, it has been completed and you've, you've done mm-hmm. the qualification during that meeting, you've had that discussion. So you should be on your way or already know if there is opportunity there. And depending on kind of how you create opportunities and when you create opportunities, you might already have a stage zero opportunity when the meeting is is scheduled. So, but either way, you need to give the feedback to everyone, including yourself, on is this progressing stage or not? So if it's stage zero opportunity and now at, at the meeting stage, then now your goal is to like move it into the, one of the next stages stage one or stage two depending on what your definitions are for for opportunity stages and that is purely you know based on the findings from that meeting or you close that opportunity if you don't have an opportunity then either way you still have to update you know the contact or whatever mechanism within the, the meeting the activity in salesforce to essentially give the feedback to say this is not progressing or this is progressing and you should do that right after the meeting i mean you shouldn't wait right unless you really need another meeting. So if you need another meeting, then we get another meeting scheduled before you can maybe move them on. That's fine. So I think having an SLA to, that kind of can handle the scenarios that you're seeing. So, but most often I would say you want to have an SLA that can be pretty tight after meeting is completed. And then, yeah, if they need to have another meeting, then they can break that SLA, but you want to be holding them accountable to trying to have a really productive meeting at that time to then progress them. So it should be based off when the meeting is complete and then have a pretty quick time period from moving to meeting complete to the next stage or closed out. Yeah, we've done some automation that I think is really useful, but like especially if an SDR is creating the meeting for the sales rep, that since you're already tracking on the activity of the meeting, like when that was meant to take place, having it directly after that time period to send an alert with a link to that activity to actually say like, was this meeting completed? And then also to convert it to an opportunity if it is one. Um, And I feel like that created a a good kind of process 
handoff between SDRs and sales. But Sander, what do you think are some things that marketing should think about or marketing and sales together to partner on if they're seeing that there's just a ton of meetings getting created or set, but none of them kind of moving down to an opportunity? This is the area that gets to be really, really complex for each organization. This is where we probably see the most variation. And and that is, what's your entrance criteria to be considered pipeline? Where I find a lot of the people that get stuck in meeting booked is because, you know, you have an organization that's looking for a budget. They're looking for a timeline. They need the full band criteria in order to be able to move it into the into the pipeline usually does not take place after a single meeting that the SDR has booked for an AE. So really try and figure out like, what are you trying to measure? You're trying to measure the velocity of I had a meeting and I either know it's a complete bust and it's not going to happen or there's a chance that it's going to happen. And so setting your entrance criteria and partnering with your rev ops and sales ops teams to set the criteria where it's attainable to get them into the next stage. So maybe you're moving it from a meeting that exists on a leader or contact, and then it moves into a 0% opportunity where you can have longer SLAs. That's one way. Or you have a 0% opportunity, and then you say your 5% opportunities, while they are pipeline, that next stage is still not full band. And then you set your next stage as that full band. So you got to give yourself the opportunity to measure how effective was the meeting, And then how long did it take us to build the business case with the prospect and really get it moving into the next stages? If you're only working request to demos and contact sales, maybe that velocity is going to just inherently move really fast, but we don't see that with the majority of outbound or, you know, scored up warm leads that are coming from marketing activities. It takes longer and that's okay. That's to be expected as long as you enforce your SLAs and expect your velocity to move a certain direction. Totally. I think also the criteria for like, what's a good meeting, like having that up front too, before scheduling the meeting, I think that can uncover that bottleneck per se, but maybe to really work with the SDRs for getting a better sense of like, who is a good meeting. And then that could also have be down to how they're measured. If your SDR teams are just measured on meetings booked, and not anything like meetings accepted, you're probably going to find a ton of kind of junk there. <laughs> so it's kind of the whatever gets measured gets managed again conversation. Yeah, and it's a good point you brought up, Xander. I think a company shouldn't get hung up on a meeting once finished, the first meeting. The next stage always has to be like a pipeline in forecast stage, you know? I mean, that could happen after a meeting. You might have a meeting and they're just like, you know, we're evaluating this you know, this category right now, we have budget, blah, blah, blah. And I'm the right person to speak to. So, but often maybe you're not quite there yet. You still need to know whether you are moving forward to going towards that or not. And I think you can generally figure that out if you have a good meeting. Like if you have a meeting and they're just like, they're just obviously tire kickers or like it just wasn't a good fit or it was a terrible meeting, then you you should close it out. And the SLA should be able to encourage them to like, close that out so we know that no this is not getting any further or if it's like okay we're interested but we need to learn a bit more still like maybe at the stage there they can move them into close the meeting they go into like opportunity stage as opposed from meeting to opportunity but then they go into pipeline stage so being able to have like a mechanism so you can still understand the progression so you don't just look at all of these people in meeting stage and not know the distinction between 
it, was that a good meeting? Are they moving forward? Or was it a bad meeting? And is this being closed out? So making sure your SLA encourages kind of like pretty binary behavior of like, are they moving forward or are they not? And it doesn't have to be a, such a big jump. Right? It doesn't have to be like, they have to be moving forward to pipeline. Was it even just a good conversation? Like basically, are you closing them out or are you not? It's maybe a better way of framing that. I'm just going to say really quick, this handoff is also really tricky and you need to make sure that you're communicating it effectively with your marketing stakeholders, with your finance stakeholders, with your executive teams, because traditionally people are measuring and they're saying, this is how many opportunities we're creating each quarter. Look at all the pipeline that we're generating and we're mixing a object and a table in a database with the name of opportunity with the business context of a pipeline opportunity. So making sure that everybody's super clear on what does that truly mean is going to go a long way. I have been in scenarios where I've had to roll back like a 0% opportunity because it was being misidentified, right? And it was causing a lot of friction between the teams. And so then we introduced a more complex process that was more like difficult to manage and had less visibility and then created its own set of problems. So just kind of assess, like, is there a, a communication and enablement gap or is there a process improvement needed? Yeah, one thing I'll kind of related to that, I think, is we've talked a lot about kind of SLAs trying to drive the right kind of behavior from sales to be able to engage prospects the right way. But we touched on it a bit, but I want to really underscore that a lot of this also is just getting people to just do the CRM updates the right way, right? So like you have the SLA, so people, yeah, m maybe they're doing the right thing with having the meetings, having the calls, whatever, but if they're not updating Salesforce the right way and no one else is getting visibility into that's still an SLA failure, right? So that's why it's trying to drive the right behavior, both for your, you know, your buyer experience and the right behavior for your CRM updates. So I just want to make sure that there's, there's two things that keep really consider when you're thinking about what SLA is and how to track them. Yeah, totally. We talked a little bit about opportunities and pipelines. So I'm going to take the last one myself, but I would say that once you do have an opportunity and pipeline, I think you guys talked about like really being mindful about like what a stage actually means. I agree with trying to figure out like what truly is pipeline and has the ability to close versus maybe some of your introductory stages, like a stage zero for a meeting and the stage one, which is more discovery and how you want to track different SLAs for that, but also how you want to disposition them, I think can be useful. So sometimes instead of just a closed loss stage, I like kind of like a closed stage that's like no decision or closed, you know, pre-pipeline or something. So you can actually differentiate like a better closed loss conversion rate, like what actually went into closed loss. But then also it's get, you're going to have a higher standard for when something should move through the funnel to each stage or how long it's just sitting in pipeline for. And that's where we see a lot of the issues in the CRM. Like we'll see opportunities that have been sitting there for 365 days or longer and really like that should have been closed out and a good reason why it should be closed out is like that can go back into the life cycle you know marketing can nurture it a bit more and a lot of times marketing will shy away from even doing any marketing to opportunities but also like Xander you said you're painting the, the wrong picture to the business of what actually is in pipeline and that can mean you know not hitting your goals <laughs> it can look and then it's going to make you think, oh, we need 4x pipeline, 5x pipeline, because none of this is converting, but it's likely it just is a sanity issue. 
So I think tracking length and stage is a really important one there and trying to make sure that's, you know, proportionate to your average sales cycle. This is where a lot of sales operations focus the sales enablement, like with their sales leader. And there's a lot of tools to help manage that. But yeah, any last, fi- before we go into kind of what the listeners should do now, any final thoughts on kind of anything else that architects can do to kind of help with SLA attainment or tracking? We alluded to it. I think, Charlie, you did. But attainment is something that you need to be able to measure, and it's not just a notification. So oftentimes when I think about SLAs, people will say, well, I have Slack notifications that go out and I have a report that goes out in what is currently there. But as you're architecting this solution, I definitely recommend having for each of your SLAs a status field of some sort that you can indicate like it's within SLA or it's outside of SLA. And then you can measure that over time and you can do month over month and quarter over quarter reporting. So don't leave it at just notifications in real time. Make sure that you're building yourself something that you can report on later. The one thing I'd add to that is date times. So we see a lot of clients, they might have date stamps, but not date times. And that makes things difficult when your SLA is more nuanced than just in days. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, let's end with like, where do people start? Because I know we talked about a lot there and a lot of things that you can do. But Xander, where do you think that listeners should at least start when they're trying to actually set SLAs properly with the goal to improve their funnel velocity? First things first, identify what is what SLAs currently exist, um, what's currently being measured to. After you get an idea of that, maybe you find that you have an incredibly robust SLA process, or maybe you find that you're lacking one of those. It's a great idea to always go into looking at your data in the current state. Take a look at, you know, what is your current sales ready to sales accepted averages across the business. Take a look at how long are meetings being stuck in that stage. How many 0% opportunities do you have? How many opportunities are sitting in the stage for more than 180 days? How many are more than a year, as you had mentioned, Chrissy? So just getting a baseline of your data is going to help you have conversations because you're going to have to go outside of your team. And anytime that you're going outside of your team, you can't go there with a hunch. You can't just say, I listened to a podcast and they said, do SLAs. You have to bring data to indicate why you might want to introduce SLA management within the team. So partner and align with your SDR leaders, with your sales leaders, and with your marketing leaders, and really get agreement across the team on what your SLAs should be. Make sure that it's not something that's just being forced down upon the team. It's something that you're building up together and getting agreement because you're going to have to enforce it as a collective team. So start very, very simple. You know, we talked about like number of touches and we talked about a multitude of metrics, but I would say start with how long did it take you to get that first touch? And then how long did it take you to get out of your stages? So that kind of disposition time. And then monitor that over time and start to optimize. And you can introduce additional levers as you go. All right. Well, this is, yeah, like you said, it's a team sport. So yes, we want to hold people accountable. We want to track these things, but really it can start conversations around the whole team can rally around these to try and improve. And that's when everyone wins, right? So great episode. Thanks everyone for listening today. If you do have a question that you want us to tackle on a future episode, please send it. You can even send a video if you want to, to rga at csgmarketing.com. 
We can share your name or we can keep it anonymous if you prefer that as well. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Leave us a review, keep listening, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time. Thanks everyone.